Hello and welcome to Red Hen Moves. I'm your host, Jacqueline Zeladon. I want to thank each one of you for tuning in. I guess you can say that, right? For tuning in and listening. The Red Hen Moves audience is growing and growing. Please know that you're part of my success story. November is a month of Thanksgiving. And one of the things I'm very grateful for is to be part of a big loving family. I'm thankful for my parents who did the best they could to raise me and my siblings so we could become responsible, positive, and productive adults. Now, my siblings, they might chuckle at that. You know, that they may say that statement is a little questionable. However, I recognize that being part of a loving family is not always something we're born into. Sometimes it's uh, being part of a loving family is being born in, in, in the heart. And when I refer to that, I meaning adoption. In addition to being a month of Thanksgiving, November is also National Adoption Month. According to the adoptionnetwork.com, on average, there are about 428,000 children in the United States who are in foster care. And among these children, uh, males outnumber females. African-American children are disproportionately represented. And over half are six years old or older. So that gives you an idea of the children who are in the uh, foster care system. Each year, 135,000 children are adopted. And more than 60% of the children who are in foster care spend two to five years before being with their forever family. Today's guest on Red Hen Moves is a best-selling author, third-generation attorney, and executive producer for the feature documentary, Foster Care, Perfect Imperfection, and we'll be talking to her about that. My guest, Nally Chavis-Fisher, has practiced foster care adoption law for 20 years. Within this time, she has helped tens of thousands of foster children legally solidify their forever homes. That's the key word, forever homes. She previously served as deputy prosecutor in the Child Support Division and and as a public defender in the Dependency and Neglect Division of the Marion County, Indiana court system. Natalie prides herself in helping adoptive and kinship parents understand the dynamic nuances of foster care and wardship adoption. Because of this, she frequently gives adoption presentations to agencies and other child welfare organizations. She created a foster care apparel line to help bring awareness to children in the system. We'll be talking some more about that. Natalie received her BS in business management from Purdue University's Cranard School of Business. Go Boilers! Boiler up! She was a varsity scholarship track and field athlete at Purdue and is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So I'm going to shout out some Divine Nine love from, because um, I, I myself is a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Natalie received her MBA from and JD from Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, and she is a Congressional Angel and Adoption Award recipient. So join me and meet Natalie. Yes, and we're here with uh, Natalie Chavis Fisher. She is an attorney from the Indianapolis, Indiana area. Hello, Natalie. Hi, Jackie. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And as I had shared with our guests, November is National Adoption Month. And I know that you specialize in family practice law because you're also from a family of lawyers, right? I am. I am. I am. So I I am a third generation attorney. My grandfather 
um, was an attorney and he was the first elected black judge in Indianapolis, Indiana, possibly the state of Indiana, I'm not 100% certain. And then my father is a lawyer, he is still living, um, and he's a, a well-renowned litigator, so he's very, very good at litigation. And my brother um, is an attorney, and I have a cousin who is now a judge and an attorney, and then just some other family members. So it is definitely sort of um, the profession assigned to my family. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's that's quite all right. We need attorneys, especially ones in the field that you're in, uh, in particular family law. Now, what attracted you to the practice of family law? You know, I always knew I wanted to be an attorney and I always knew that I wanted to litigate. Um, I wasn't sure quite what area. And, I, you know, as I got older, I realized I have sort of a social worker element um, to me, mm. and it was the perfect way to marry the two, right? Sort of my my desire to to help society and 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 you know and and sort of perform uh, social work tasks um, as much as I can, and you just marry that with being able to practice law, and it was just the perfect area for me. And I decided some years ago to even have a much more narrow niche, and that's foster care adoptions. I do do other types of adoptions, but I have fallen in love with that area, and so that's my primary focus now. About ninety nine percent of my practice. Oh, wow. Okay. Now with, uh, you said foster care adoption uh, is your practice. Now, what exactly does that look like for you? So for me, what that looks like is I help foster parents, um, grandparents, aunts, uncles, you know, sort of kinship um, uh, persons adopt children who are wards of the state. So that means the children are under the custody um, of the state, the legal custody of, of the state. Okay. And uh, I have a little fam- a little familiarity with foster care because, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, some years back, that was something my husband and I, we were considering doing, um, becoming parents through the foster care system. Wow. And I remember having a conversation with someone and they were like, you know, so you're going to take someone's kids from them? And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. So what are some of the mis common misperceptions people have about uh, fostering to adopt. That probably is the biggest misconception. Um, By the time a child is in the system, um, who, you know, whoever is adopting the child had nothing to do with that removal, nothing to do. One of the neat things about the way the system works is there are a lot of children who are reunified with their families once services are put in place. So basically what happens is um, it's sort of an alleged abuse or neglect occurs somehow uh, the state gets wind of that. And that's, that could be through a doctor finding uh, broken bones or consistent broken bones on a child or a school teacher noticing that the child is wearing the same you know, set of clothes every day. Um, you know, certainly when children are born, sometimes they're born with drugs in the system, things like that. Sometimes neighbor re- neighbors report, uh, but somehow mm. right, the state becomes aware. But the neat thing is that the state then gives the biological or legal parents the opportunity to do services and sort of rectify the situation. So that often works, right? And so, um, so families become yeah. better, they're more bonded, they're healed, they have you know support. Um, sometimes it does not work, right? And so, yeah. when, yeah, yes. so when parents are not successfully completing services, then a court will, will the Department of Child Services or, or whatever um, the state's regulatory agency is, will file to terminate the parental rights. 
And even during that whole process, they still get the chance to do services. So when children become available for adoption, they've gone through this process. The parents have been unsuccessful with services and have not proven that they can parent the children in a healthy way or that it's much more detrimental to the child to keep that legal relationship together. So then the court go, goes ahead and terminates that relationship. It could be voluntarily or involuntarily. Um, and that's when the children are available for adoption. So the adoptive parent has nothing to do with that process. The children are already outside of care. Okay. Well, that's very good to know. Because uh, someone, what you're saying is coming back to me from when you know we were, we were learning about the, the whole process. And, and, and speaking of process, so you have the child who has, it has been determined that uh, their parents for uh, whatever steps they weren't able to, I guess, uh, accomplish or their, um, or have surrendered. Uh, when do you come into the picture? So I come into the picture about when the rights, the parental rights are terminated or they're about to be terminated. And so sometimes I need to help try to negotiate a post-adoption agreement. Um, if that's the case, I'll come in right before the rights are terminated, but there's been a, a termination date um, or after those rights are terminated. Um, the, the, the current caretakers are asked, hey, do you want to adopt? If so, it's time for you to go ahead and get an adoption attorney. Okay, so you, you come in at that point. And so for people who are... Um, so at, at that point, they, that's when they're seeking you out as their legal guide. Uh, and what are some of the things that you help them with to get the process right. going? So they do. They come at that point. So if they need help negotiating some sort of post-adoption contact, I will help negotiate that. And so what that will look like is, you know, the biological parent will um, sort of meet with the adoptive parent to see if there's any terms that can be agreed upon uh, relating to, you know, hey, can the biological child have visits, uh, receive letters, cards, gifts, things of that nature after the adoption is finalized? Um, so so I, uh -huh. I help kind of with that process. I also help with subsidy negotiations. So a lot of the children that are in the foster care system are eligible for federal subsidy. And every state is different as it relates to disbursement of those funds. In Indiana, there is a negotiation process currently um, other states will take a percentage of what a false care per diem is. Other states have a flat rate. You know, every state is different. Um, but that, yeah, but right. I kind of do that. Then I find, I draft all the paperwork for the courts and I attend the hearings and that kind of stuff. Wow. And that, you know, that comes to mind, uh, you know, for children who may be in the, in the situation that um, do families get the adoptive families that is do they do you help them get any additional type of I want to say uh, moral or emotional support because whether a child is being adopted through foster care or any other means I'd imagine there's emotions oh definitely involved. yeah most states do have post-adoption services whereby um, you know a therapist can be maintained you know in most in, in many situations there's already a therapist in in place uh, for the family that helps sort of work with mm -hmm. attachment issues you know grieving things of that nature and so there are service those services can be carried over in most states after the adoption um, yeah, so just things like that. Sometimes mentorship programs come into play, which is really important. Um, oh my gosh, there's, there's tons of wraparound services. Yeah. 
great. And one thing I, I uh, have noticed uh, and, and had been doing some reading uh, is that we have a, a disproportionate number of African-American children in the foster care system. Um, you know, from what you've seen, how can we encourage more families to, I guess, put their arms around the kids and, and take them yeah. into their home? I mean, one, you know, so becoming a licensed foster care parent is, is an important step. Um, you know, not everyone can become a licensed foster care parent, but you can still help. Um, so other ways of helping could be donating, donating time, um, you know, donating food, donating toys, you know, it could be something simple as smiling at a broken child, you know, or if you are taking your, your child to say basketball practice, or you've signed them up for basketball camp and you know that they have a friend that um, is part of foster care and they can't necessarily afford to go pay for that person's um, you know, pay for their basketball lessons or something like that. You know, um, there's, there's just so many different ways that you can help. Um, but those are some. Well, that's, that's, now that's awesome because, you know, this is the season of yeah, Thanksgiving, that's right? right? That's right. And we start thinking outside of ourselves, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now I know you wrote a book called Adopting yeah, Tiger. I did. What was the inspiration behind Tiger's you know, story? I've seen so much. I mean, I've been practicing foster care adoption law for about 20 years. And so at that point, it was close to 20 years. And so, you know, I, I'd been, you know, I go around and I give yeah, speeches um, about sort of what happens in the system, what happens to the children. I try to become a voice for the child. I've been a CASA worker in a couple different counties. And that's when you are the voice for the child within the court system. And I just said, you know what, I could get a greater further reach by just writing a book. And then I said, okay, I knew that the issues were kind of serious issues. So I wanted it to be, um, you know, uh, palatable. So I figured doing that in a fiction book would be the way to do that. And so what I did is I wrote a short novel with a big impact about two families attempting to adopt the same foster child. And, yeah. and in that attempt, you see the twists and the turns, and the struggles, the motives, um, and, and yeah, and all that kind of stuff. And then you're impacted, you learn more about the system. So that was kind of the impetus behind writing the book. Um, and so, and yeah, and that's, that's pretty much, yeah, that story. Yes. And I know that, the, the, you know, you have done some uh, book tours to promote the book. And what has been the responses to it? Oh, my gosh, I've gotten a lot of favorable responses um, from people who are connected to the foster system and people who are not connected to the foster system. Because in the book are just real life lessons. It's all about just healing, right? Identifying and healing. Um, and maybe even healing the broken child within each one of us. That, that is another way to help the foster system. So what I find is it's like taking an aspirin. One person may have a, a hip ache, another person may have a headache, another person's arm may ache. And when you take that aspirin, it goes where it needs to go. That's what I'm finding. That's the feedback I'm getting from the book. It, it meets the readers wherever they are. Wow. And um, in terms of, you know, where it's been reaching readers, what has been like 
I guess, what has moved people most and what has moved you most? With the young man, you know, because it's all about him, right? (laughs) And how he he has no control Mm -hmm. over the environment around him. Uh, That's, you know, people have a lot of empathy for Tiger. Um, A lot of people see themselves in him. You know, people see themselves in every character, quite frankly, because every character is sort of complex, Mm -hmm. but certainly Tiger. And I'm writing it on his behalf to be, you know, he's sort of the collective child. Um, from my 20 years of, of work experience. At that, yeah. Okay. And and with uh, Adopting Tiger, where can people get copies of So Adopting Tiger can be found anywhere books are sold, um, in, including Amazon.com. Okay. Okay. So you hear that, folks? Anywhere books are sold or Amazon.com and and this is holiday season coming up, so pick you up a copy. Uh, yeah, and I also know that you even had some merchandise related to the book. Yeah, yeah I tell did. Us about I that. did. So there are tons of foster care support groups, foster parents, CASA workers. And I figured, you know, I said, hey, you know, I want to provide apparel, um, you know, whereby these entities can, can and wear them with pride and support. Um, so I... I Develops an online apparel store, and it's uh, fosterware by chavisfisher.com um, is, is where that, that apparel can be found. And so it's shirts, hats, book bags, um, some say adoption rocks, you know, some says I, I care for foster care, you know, or, or what have you. But it's all about just, just putting a, a positive spin and creating positive energy surrounding foster care. I wear my foster care shirts all the time. And people come up to me, it, it gives people sort of a safe zone, right? If they've experienced the system and they haven't told anybody, I mean, I've had waiters come up to me and say, you know, you know, then they tell me their story or, or, you know, we gave our child up for adoption because we were just 16, you know, or just whatever the case may be. Um, mm-hmm. I, I find that it, mm-hmm. it, it's helpful in that regard. Yes. And I, also understand that you produced a docu-series called Foster Care Perfect Imperfection. Now, how did you that come about, Miss Natalie? So there again, it's, 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 it's all about helping to destigmatize foster care. That's you know what I'm trying to do and just bring awareness to what the system is because once we are aware, we can figure out how we can individually impact, right? So it's my theory that all of us are affected by foster care in one way or another, right? The foster children are in our communities. And many of us have been through foster experiences that we just don't talk about, right? Um, there, you mm-hmm. know, foster children in our school systems, mm-hmm. our churches, I mean, our, just you name it. Um, so I just wanted to bring awareness and bring a call to action. So that's that's kind of, you know, how it came about. And the docuseries is, is unique in that the main character is the system itself and the stories support the main character. Um, so it's a four-part series right now. It's airing in Indiana, and the four parts are available on demand via Vimeo and soon Amazon Prime, and it will also be available in its long form. So not, a, not only is it educational, but anyone who needs to get credit hours for you know, social work hours, foster par- parent hours, or just whatever can also use this tool um, once they get approved by their governing entities. Wow. Okay. So listeners say in Wisconsin or Minnesota, they can uh, go to Vimeo and, and, and what was the other? Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. And they can watch uh, Foster Care yeah. Perfect and Perfection. And uh, you said there was like four Yeah, they can watch segments, it in two different correct? formats. One, they can do it segment by segment. 
or they can do a long form, you know, all in one take. So it's up to the viewers, but those are the two forms that are okay. available. All right. And, and how long oh did it gosh. take to put together the series? Uh, probably a year and a half. Um, it's, it's so funny because, you know, I had to take classes. I mean, this is this is just what my sort of natural expertise. Um, but I knew that I wanted to write a story and I'm pretty you know decent at telling stories. And so I did my interviews in 2019 over about a two day period. I, I'd done a couple months of prep, you know, research and prep work. Um, that I interviewed, and then um, I, you know, I've spent you know a year or so editing with an editor, um, you know, obtaining sponsors. Eastern Star Church is a sponsor, you know, which I'm very happy about, and you know, and then just you know, producing it. Amazing! Thank you. Good for you, girl. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's what I call right, a red right, hit move right, right. there. and um for our listeners out there who you know maybe maybe after this episode or maybe beforehand were thinking about becoming a foster parent or adopting through foster parenting what what words of wisdom oh my gosh would you You share with them you know really, really think about the decision before you step into it. I think it's important work. I, I, I feel like it's high order work. Um, there, there are twists and turns. Not everything is smooth. And so just expect that. But also just, you know, you know, know that you want to adopt. Um, I cannot tell you the number of cases, and it breaks my heart every time, where after an adoption, you know, a parent will come to me and say, hey, how do I undo this adoption? Well, you don't. You don't undo an adoption. You stick it out. You know, you, you ask for help, you know, so just don't be afraid to ask for help. Know that it's something you really want to do. Um, know that you're in it for the right reasons and that you want to conditionally, un- no, unconditionally support and love foster children. Okay. And if they were considering, say someone's like, yes, we want to be a foster parent. It, it seems like they all, I'm going to say it, I'm going to put it. Younger children always seem to be, I want to, lack of a better word, the popular choice. But I know there's older children out there too. And, and what would you say to people, you know, when they're trying to take make that decision about, I guess, yeah. who well, to let know, in their heart? Let in, so, in your heart, whoever you are led to let in your heart. And that is the perfect child for you. You know, a lot of people go through the foster care system because they want an older child, Right. Um, or they want a sibling group, um, or they want the, the, the children to be at an age that stair steps their biological children, right? Um, so that is the place if you are interested mm-hmm. in an older child, um, but you can also have the opportunity to adopt a newborn child, right? So you, you get a, a lot, and it just whoever it is you are led to love. I mean, one of the neat things is every state um, typically will have a foster to adopt program where you can foster first, you don't have to say, okay, I'm also going to adopt. And you just see whether the situation works for your family, right? Um, because you've got to remember the children are removed before the parental rights are terminated. Um, yeah, so that, that would be the advice I would give. Wonderful. And what gives you the warm fuzzies when, oh in my your God, work? When children, when I watch them flourish, I see where they were, you know, when, when we first started the process, 
you know, all the way to adoption day. And I just see them glowing. Their eyes are bright. They're well loved. Watching the bond, watching the connection is very, very special because I know where they've come from. I know what they've been through. Right. And just to see the resilience. I mean, foster children are some of the most resilient children ever and most forgiving children Mm. ever. They really just want structure. They want to be loved and they just want to know that they belong. Amen. Amen. I I just felt the warm fuzzies myself just now. That's what it is. Oh, well, great. So if uh, people want to learn more uh, about what you do or about the foster care system, uh, what should well, yeah, they so do? They How can they do that now? www.chavisfisher.com. So that's Chavis like Davis, <laughs> C-H-A, B like Victor, I-S like Sam, Fisher, F-I-S-H-E-R.com. Um, they certainly can go to the foster care store and that's it's foster where by Chavis Fisher and that's foster by Chavis um, They can check out the um, in the docu series. I'm doing the majority of the interviewing so they can learn a little bit more about, you know, not only me, but this work, this, this very, this, oh my God, this invaluable work through watching the docu series. We have two Emmy award winning anchors news anchors who are partaking one is Sean Yancey and she does voiceover. The other is Andrea Moorhead who actually interviews me and asks basically, why am I doing this? Um, The Colts general manager, um, Chris Ballard is being interviewed because he and his wife adopted out of his little cousins out of foster care. So, you know, the docu-series will help, the book will help, the website, um, the apparel store, all of it. Okay. Well, we heard you loud and clear. And so, like I said, this is National Adoption Month. And if any of our listeners out there or friends of our listeners, friends and families of our listeners, I should say, want to know more, you can uh, uh, follow like Nellie on her uh, websites. And you can also learn some more on our Red Hen Moves Facebook page. Well, thank you so much, Natalie. You have been a wealth of knowledge and continue doing such wonderful work on finding homes for our babies. listening to this episode of Red Hen Moves. You can listen to this and future episodes on podcast platforms like Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Publics. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, just send an email to redhenmoves at gmail.com. From one red hen to another, remember to always believe in yourself. This is your host, Jacqueline Zeladon. <laughs>